What's going on, family? Happy Monday, and welcome to another edition of The Faction Quick Hits. I'm your man, GB, Gerard Bonner. I hope you guys are well. Hope you had a great, great weekend. It was another busy weekend in the world of pro wrestling. Some related to pay-per-view, other related to big news. We'll get into all of that in just a few minutes. Let me first say thank you to everybody who's rocking with us on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at the faction show we really appreciate it those who are also rocking with us right here on the podcast if you are subscribed thank you so much we've had a lot of new folks joining the faction crew the faction nation the faction universe and we really really appreciate it so if you're brand new welcome aboard hit the follow button on the socials if you're just joining us for the first time welcome it's great to have you click that subscribe button It's going to be an awesome ride hanging out together. Let me also say this. We've done something kind of cool today. We released a double episode. Had an episode prepared for you Friday, but I wasn't able to release it yet, but you've got it now. So likely if you're listening to this one, you've probably listened to the episode intended for Friday. If you didn't, go back and check it out because we really talked a bit about Triple H and what's going on with him and uh, several other things that I think you'll find to be very, very important. With that said, let's dive in because there's a lot of news to get to. Let's first talk about SmackDown. SmackDown, which took place, of course, this Friday night from Madison Square Garden the night before 9-11. Could it have been scripted any better, right? And when I say scripted, I mean this is a movie in and of itself. The WWE, who was the first large public gathering following 9-11 some 20 years ago in Houston, Texas, they do a show in the heart of New York City, in Madison Square Garden, a place that has historically been the home for WWE on 9-11. Brilliant. And of course, coming back to Madison Square Garden, really for a televised show for the first time since the pandemic, another significant moment. There's something special about Madison Square Garden. And I'll tell you this, every time I go to New York City, I'm going to make a trip past the hallowed halls of Madison Square Garden because there's just so much history in that place personally and professionally so i advise whenever you go to new york city find your way to msg just walking by it feels like traveling to mecca right it is a significant moment so by all means do it when you're in new york but definitely a huge night for the wwe I will say this, there's been some controversy coming out of that show. Because of the way the show ran, there were several segments and matches that were actually cut. There was a segment involving Kevin Owens that was cut. There was a women's match that was cut and uh, perhaps a few other things. So I'll say this. I think, you know, it's funny because on a previous show we talked about execution, right? And we talked about did AEW Dynamite really manage their time well enough to be able to give us a match with a legend. Well, WWE, as you can see, had some time management issues. With that said, I still think it ended up being a great show. I will say, and I don't want to sound non-patriotic or what have you, but I almost wonder if there were too many odes to 9-11, right? I think certainly how we started the show made a lot of sense. One could even argue that it would have been cool to have Vince McMahon start the show. 
but he didn't. It's okay. But I don't think that after every commercial break, you know, we necessarily needed an ode to 9-11. But that's what they chose to do. I definitely think that time could have been used to showcase more talent, though I get it, right? But that's a decision that was made. I'm not the one who gets paid to make those decisions. So shout out to WWE. It was a really solid show that started, of course, with Brock Lesnar confronting Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman. Lots of good storytelling there. It ended, of course, with a great title match between the Usos and the Street Profits. The Usos retain after Roman Reigns interferes. Then we get an answer from Roman Reigns to Brock Lesnar, only then to be interrupted by the introduction of the demon Finn Balor, which I have to say my favorite presentation of Finn Balor has always been the demon. And so I'm excited to see where this will go. Now, if my memory serves me correctly, the demon hasn't really lost in WWE unless, and I'm trying to remember, if it was the demon against Brock but I don't think it was I think it was just Finn so the demon against Roman creates a very interesting scenario though I don't see anybody knocking Roman off of his block at this point so this will be interesting to see that development as it goes into extreme rules congratulations to Smackdown on putting on a really big show and honestly they needed a big show following all that happened of course with all out all the news of AEW etc etc speaking of AEW of course you had AEW Rampage which by the way we've not gotten the final ratings for Smackdown or Rampage yet hence us not mentioning that right now though the numbers do look good certainly for Smackdown at least the preliminary ones but Rampage is interesting so let me just say this when Rampage started or at least when it was announced A lot of us had questions as to whether or not this would be a live show or a taped show. My thought process is, do you really want to rent a building and sell tickets for a one-hour show that's going to begin at 10 p.m.? With that said, you have obviously two to three hours to kill. How do you fill that? You fill it with dark matches, taping AEW dark perhaps. I don't know. So obviously they have done that. They have utilized that for dark and dark elevation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, this episode of AEW Rampage was taped in Cincinnati same night as Dynamite. So I've got to say this, and I don't want to be picky, but it just is what it is. AEW Live feels different than AEW Taped. It just does. But it's not just AEW, NXT, Raw, SmackDown. All of these wrestling shows feel different live versus taped. So I totally get that, right? And there's just a different kind of energy. I can't really explain it, but when there's a live show, you really do get the feeling that anything can happen. And even without spoilers, when it's not a live show, it just doesn't feel the same. With that said, we got an amazing match between Pac and Andrade El Idolo. Again, I wish that had have been on All Out, but truth be told, I think it was the right kind of match to have on Rampage. Now, I've been seeing this on the socials, and I think it's worth discussing. 
that the structure of Rampage seems a little weird as the match that is their main event doesn't really feel like it's a main event match. Sometimes you get the bigger match to start the show. Case in point, the first episode of Rampage started with an Impact World title match between Kenny Omega and Christian Cage and ended with something that really wouldn't have been a main event anywhere else. Same thing happened, of course, on Friday, where you had, starting the show, Andrade versus Pac, and you ended the show with Brian Pillman Jr. against Max Caster, who, by the way, is back after all of the unusual things that happened with him during the Olympics. Here's my thought process. I think that they are structuring Rampage in the same way they structured Saturday night's main event. If you remember Saturday night's main event, which used to come on at 11.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC in the same spot that Saturday Night Live came on, instead of trying to make people wait until 1 a.m. to see whatever the proposed main event was, they usually start Started the show with the proposed main event. That's kind of how Rampage is being handled. I think it's a scenario where they say, hey, look, we understand you've been watching two hours of wrestling potentially on SmackDown. We understand it's 10 p.m. We want to keep your attention for the entire hour. I think that's why the CM Punk debut happened at the start of the show. They tend to put the heavy ticket items at the start of the show and save what they're calling the main event for someone who perhaps isn't main event worthy yet, but gets a great rub from being from being able to say that they were in the main event of an AEW show. I'm not mad at it. I think we just have to understand that the structures of Dynamite and Rampage are different. And as long as we understand that, we'll be good to go. With that said, I think it was a relatively good show. Again, I think you know, taped packages are what they are. I actually really liked having Tony Schiavone in the space for commentary. It's his first opportunity to do commentary on Rampage. Excalibur is out getting married, by the way. Congratulations. Excalibur married Piper Niven, guys, in case you guys didn't know. You've probably not seen Excalibur without his mask. The pictures that are floating around on WWE don't even reference him because obviously he's from AEW. There's no mention of his name and they refer to Piper as Dewdrop. Be that as it may, congratulations to Piper. Piper and Excalibur. What an interesting union that is. And I just say interesting from a wrestler being married to an AEW announcer. It's not the first time we've seen someone from WWE married to or connected to someone from AEW. It's happened tons of times before. And in the case of Adam Cole and Britt Baker, they now happen to work together. So there's that. With that said, uh, AEW Rampage, I thought, again, a good show. I am recognizing, again, that I liked AEW Rampage more when it is live versus when it's taped. And Tony Schiavone is a welcomed addition. I think he did a good job of ensuring that everybody had an opportunity to talk. Everything felt good. Uh, of course, when Taz is on, and I used to really like Taz on commentary when he was in WWE and even on Impact. I think at this stage in his career, whether he's dealing with, of course, Excalibur on Dark, whether he's dealing with JR or whomever, when he's there, it is more comedy than it is serious, which I think is unfortunate. Maybe there are points where that makes sense, but I don't know. 
I don't know. It just seems weird for Taz, who is usually all business. Be that as it may, good show for AEW Rampage, and that's a look at that. All right, with that said, I want to get into two pieces of news that dropped over the weekend that I think are worthy of conversation. First, let's talk about NXT. It's going to be an absolutely stellar night with two big title matches and the most unpredictable show in all of independent wrestling. Come on, somebody stop this. Being the monster they thought they wanted. So tomorrow night's a big night for NXT. It is the official relaunch. And one of the things that we saw on SmackDown, which made me a little nervous to be completely honest with you is that it's being considered NXT 2.0 it is a new chapter it is a relaunch things are looking a lot different and I don't know what's going to happen obviously until tomorrow but another big wrinkle has been thrown as last night on the socials and we broke this story of course for you guys that Samoa Joe the current NXT champion, relinquished his championship on the socials. And he did so, citing an injury that has happened. He does not know how long he'll be out. He does believe he'll be back. We don't know the nature of the injury, but the timing of it couldn't be worse. You need some degree of stability going into this new launch for NXT. So you go into NXT 2.0 and we don't have an NXT champion. There was supposed to be a number one contenders match that happened tomorrow night that might be turned into an NXT championship match for the vacant championship. I don't know. I like the four competitors involved. It felt like NXT that we've known, but who knows? Who knows? So this is going to be very interesting to see what happens on NXT tomorrow night. I think this just adds to the uncertainty. Now there's no champion. Oh, gosh, I wish this all could be so different. But again, I'm trying to reserve judgment until we get an opportunity to watch the show tomorrow night. So that's NXT. Now then, let's talk about Ring of Honor. Now, they had a big pay-per-view last night. It's called Death Before Dishonor, and it happened in Philadelphia. And we'll give you the results, but before we even talk about the results, and not that the results aren't important, but I really want to spend some time talking about a tweet that went out over the weekend coming from Shane Taylor. Now, Shane Taylor, of course, is a former TV champion. He's currently part of the six-man tag team champions in Shane Taylor Promotions, and he really has been an outspoken figure for Ring of Honor about all sorts of things. Well, he put out this tweet that I want to read and I think, well, let's see if you can be the judge of it. He says, the Ring of Honor World Championship is one that should be talked about with reverence along with every other world championship in this sport. To me, it's disrespectful that it's not. The fact is that nearly every top star in every company around the world is from Ring of Honor. 
So I thought it would be interesting to take a look at his claim and see how many Ring of Honor champions, and there have been 35 championship reigns in Ring of Honor since its inception in July of 2002, thought it'd be interesting to run through the list of champions and see if there are names that we recognize and see if they've perhaps been champions elsewhere. First Ring of Honor champion was Loki, and I'm literally going to read these in the order of their championship reign. Loki, Xavier, Samoa Joe, Austin Aries, CM Punk, James Gibson, Brian Danielson, Homicide, Takeshi Morishima, Nigel McGuinness, Jerry Lynn, once again, Austin Aries, Tyler Black, who is known to the world as Seth Rollins, Roderick Strong, Eddie Edwards, Davey Richards, Kevin Steen, who is known to the world as Kevin Owens, Jay Briscoe, Adam Cole, Michael Elgin, Jay Lethal, Kyle O'Reilly, Christopher Daniels, Cody Rhodes, Dalton Castle, Matt Taven, Roosh, PCO, and Bandito. So if you think about some of these names that we just read, they are a who's who in pro wrestling. Kevin Owens, Jay Lethal, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Christopher Daniels, Cody Rhodes, Brian Danielson, CM Punk, Samoa Joe, Austin Aries. Let's think about this. We have had three former Ring of Honor World Champions just set the world on fire by entering AEW. That would be CM Punk, Brian Danielson, and Adam Cole, baby. Cody Rhodes is one of the folks who helped to start AEW. Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly, those two guys, along with Adam Cole, are three-fourths of the Undisputed Era, one of the best factions that we've seen in the modern era, and three of the four of them were Ring of Honor World Champions. Seth Rollins, do we need to say more about how decorated Seth Rollins is? Eddie Edwards and Davey Richards, who've both done some significant things in Impact, and of course, Kevin Owens and all that he has done. This is a pretty intriguing list when you think about it. And maybe Shane Taylor is onto something. Perhaps the Ring of Honor World Championship does need to be revered and respected more. So I want to ask you, why isn't the Ring of Honor World Championship spoken with the same level of reverence as perhaps the NWA World Championship, the WWE World Championship, or even the newest of them all, the AEW World Championship? Why isn't Ring of Honor mentioned with that same level of reverence? I want to hear your thoughts on it right now. So hit us up on the socials at The Faction Show and let us know what you think about it. And I think we may even do a separate post to honor that because I think this is an interesting conversation and perhaps it is time for us to put some respect on the ROH World Championship. With that said, going to get out of here. I hope you've enjoyed this kind of double episode, what we were scheduled to release on Friday and what we've released today. Love to hear your thoughts on it on the socials at The Faction Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Of course, stay connected to us in those places as we'll continue to drop news as it breaks because there's all sorts of things going on in the world of pro wrestling. Until next time, family, representing from a good brother's Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. My name is Gerard Bond. And this is The Faction.